Well, we're back again in Prospero's pit with my good friend here, Ben, who is like, I have a feeling will be a uh, theme running throughout my guests here, but is a multitude of artists. Uh, we have musician, we have poet, we have writer. Um, what else? We have entrepreneur. And I think that's what we're going to focus mostly on in this conversation. But before we get there, I want to know a little bit how you got here to Kansas City. Yeah. Oh, man. I love this story. Um, I, it was 2018. I was at the peak of what I thought was stability, which meant I had a good paying job that uh, had some benefits to it. Um, that was working in a t-shirt company. And then I ruptured my Achilles. That was kind of like the pinnacle of it. So Damn. Yeah. On the job? No, I was just playing pickup soccer with some friends. That's how it happens. <laughs> I know. My friend literally cursed me. I did this move on him, and then I like mocked him. Mm-hmm. And he said, the next time you do that move, you're going to hurt yourself. And no lie, the next time I did that move, I ruptured my Achilles. You still talk with that guy? I mean, it's been a while, but, you know. <laughs> might, be, might be a warlock of, of some sort. Yeah, I know. I, uh, yeah, I had to cast some demons out of him or something. <laughs> it's all part of God's plan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, what uh, he meant for a curse turned out to be a blessing uh, in disguise. Um, but then it was kind of like I couldn't really work because I was working in a warehouse. Uh, so then I stopped my job. After I had surgery, and then I was just running out of money, and I couldn't. I mean, I wasn't getting any jobs. That was the crazy thing. It's like some some people were just silent, and it was like people I knew in the community. So, it w- where are you? Are you in Kansas City? Oh, this was back in Arkansas. Yeah, back sorry. Arkansas, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> back, back in, in back in Arkansas in 2018. 2018, back in Arkansas. We're not hearing back from any jobs. Uh, uh, nope, nothing at all. So I'm crippled. I'm jobless. I'm becoming broker uh, because obviously I'm using all the money I had um, and I didn't really have a savings account. Uh, So I'm just sitting in my living room in the middle of September of 2018 and I just just pray. That's all I know but to do is like I don't have any plans, whatever, like whatever you want from me, God, because obviously right now I'm in the shitter. Um, And I just kind of heard this word grow. That was uh, that was the word that just epiphanated into my brain. And so I was trying to think, okay, well, I was like, we'll grow. I was like, I need to go somewhere. I was like, maybe if I continue my education, I get a master's degree um, in a field that I think that maybe I'm supposed to go down, that'll help me grow. So I did this road trip. Um, I went to Louisville. I went to Knoxville to meet my half-siblings for the first time. Uh, and then I came over to Kansas City. And one of those kind of questions I'd ask going into the trip was, let me fall in love with the city. Because I'm a traveler. I've been around a lot of places. I've spent time in Berlin, Miami, like multiple months. Uh, As to this day, I have two more states to hit all 50. Um, And so I was in this weird place where I was just like, I know I can travel and enjoy a place, but there's something about falling in love with the city that really sets it apart. I get to Kansas City. I show up. And I go up to the World War II Memorial. I still remember. It was my my friend. And I say friend kind of like, quote unquote, because when that was the first time we had ever met in person, we were like Instagram friends. Mm. And so she showed me around the city and she took me up there. And that was like it. That was kind of the seal. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, this is like this kind of like divine kiss. But I still wasn't sure. 
You know, because sometimes you're like, some things could be too good to be true. Right. Sometimes you just feel things. You know, like when you fall in love with that stranger that you saw and you're just like, I am snatched. My heart is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may never see her ever again. Right. Uh, so I go over to Lawrence to meet with one of my mentors, my old mentors. And he has, and he said, he's like, Ben, I have this weird feeling you're supposed to be here. And this was kind of like a trail of like people having weird feelings of me. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of on this like, okay, people are getting weird feelings about me, but somehow I'm not. So maybe I should trust these weird feelings. Uh, so I just, again, all I know what to do. I'm like, well, I mean, I'll just pray, you know, like I'll just ask the divine. So, um, I was like, okay, God, if you want me here, you'll give me a job. And they're like 10 minutes later, <laughs> the coffee shop owner comes up to me, mm-hmm. hands me this latte, and he's like learning latte. And he's like, ah, it doesn't look pretty, but it'll taste fine. And in my brain, I'd been trained by some really great folks down in Arkansas and coffee. And I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> but I'll, you know, indulge this man because mm-hmm. he was in like his 50s. So we had this conversation. At the end of the conversation, he didn't know I needed a job. He didn't know I was looking or anything, but he just says, hey, Ben, I think you'd be a really great fit for the team, and we could really use some help with our coffee program. If you want a job, you have a full-time job with us. Wow. So then I'm like, uh, you know, kind of like, let mm-hmm. me think about it, you know, because you don't want to seem too eager or too desperate. Uh, but then I went outside and called my mom, and I was like, all right, mom, I'm moving to Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> She's like, where? I was like, I don't know, next to Kansas City, I guess. <laughs> So that's what brought me here. Uh, I guess almost, yeah, like four and a half years ago. That's amazing. Our stories are eerily similar because I also came through Kansas City on a road trip, Mm. and it was a similar feeling where it's just like, wow, there's something in the air here. There's something going on. I don't know if I'm imagining things or if this is actually real, but it stuck with me as I like continued on the road trip. And uh, but now I know Memorial very well. Mm. I know the exact view you're talking about. Yeah. And that is a great little s- short story. And the, also the fact that it's then a coffee shop that offers you a job is really, really cool because this, I feel like, is a perfect segue into what uh, you're doing now. Yeah. Which. Yeah. yeah which. Take it away. Yeah. Uh, so now with the myriad of things that I do. uh one of my biggest focus is my company, which is Underground Homies, which is all about connecting the city to its local artist by crafting experiences. And a lot of these experiences are intimate experiences. It's partnering with the coffee shops. It's partnering with bookstores like Prospero. It's partnering with retail stores. Um, but a lot of the traction we've had is in these coffee shops all around the city. And it is really weird. Like you mentioned, it's funny that you mentioned coffee as kind of like the segue, but it's if I look back at my life, even for the past like seven years, I can trace so much of my life and so much of connections and even just like pursuits or inspiration from either working in coffee or being in a coffee shop. Um, and so for me, it's cool to be able to now build that community because coffee shops are kind of like they're a natural place where community is built. Mm-hmm. Um, not every coffee shop has that, but there are like when you have a good one there's just something about it there's this this spirit about it mm-hmm. that everybody's attracted to it that everybody's coming together that you can make friends that it's like a temporary home for the people who don't want to stay at home um yeah so it's been really cool getting to to grow this business to help out a lot of coffee shops that 
um, I've either been a part of, like, right. you know, or have just known. And so, yeah, so now we're, what, all over the city. We've been in, I think, six, five or six different neighborhoods mm-hmm. or, like, areas around the city, which right. for Kansas City is, like, pretty good because it's pretty uh, chunked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of demographic layout. Right. So, yeah. Right. And just, I don't know even if it was mentioned, but your company's called the Un- Underground Homies. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to just give a little synopsis of what you guys do. Basically, you're a third-party company that mm-hmm. connects young, uh, up-and-coming artists, whether it be poets or musicians, yep. um, and connects them with local venues such as coffee shops, bookstores, uh what else? Bars, things like that. And uh, basically you help set up and facilitate like an open mic sort of situation, but pretty much a performance uh, yeah. with a microphone in, in, in these local venues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we kind of we hit like two streams where um, a little bit of the inspiration came from the open mic scene, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty popping around here in Kansas City. But it was also coming from knowing myself as like a musician and playing these smaller intimate shows, you know. Even I think the max we've had is like a hundred people at one, and there's something about intimacy when it comes to music that helps resonate uh, the artistry that is being performed. But even with poetry, I think you know, like poetry and prose, again, it's we're seeing what was the need, and that's that's where it all started. Is we put on a concert in 2021 in November, and people were saying, "Wow, I didn't know that local artistry was like this," you know, like but I love it. I need more of this. Mm-hmm. So we saw that first need. Well, the audience wants more opportunities to connect to their local artists. And there's so many incredible local artists in Kansas City. Right. So then we saw the second need. Well, being an artist and knowing a lot of artists, it was, well, who are putting on the experiences? Who are finding strategic, creative ways to showcase artists that they don't have to try to book some ranky-dank DIY spot that they may have like five people show up, but they're going to intentionally get in front of people. And every moment is crafted around like uh, the artistry. And then we have kind of that bridge where when we do our poetry events, we start off with poets that we also like make sure, hey, these are our featured poets. You know, these are the ones, poets, prose writers. These are the ones who are putting in the work for the craft. And then we allow that space at the end that space where it is that open mic where people can come up and start to share because we've seen that natural that natural bridge between oh i i can see these people doing it i see people finding the boldness to share and therefore you know i can share myself and so it's been really cool just to just to kind of be this third party that's taking what artists need what audiences need and then i think the th- thing that we really realized after this past year was well the strategic thing too is for businesses because like local businesses are what help Kansas City thrive and run I mean even just like Prospero's here you know they are the pillars of what the city is continuing continuing to be built off of so for us to partner to showcase local businesses and to provide a strategic and creative marketing approach like, it's a win-win-win for everybody. I mean, it's like a natural ecosystem is how I view it. And that's how we want it to be is it's, you know, every community has local artistry in their community and they're supporting it and all the businesses are supporting it. And then it's just 
flowing and then the gears are running and then in two to three years you know the world cup comes to kansas city and they're like wait what in the world is this city and people are experiencing uh the beauty that we have here right and i think i mean what you're doing right now is you're 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 helping facilitate a culture and like we were saying earlier the coffee shops are coffee shops local businesses whatever these venues are historically uh, places for gathering, for culture, to blossom, honestly. And um, uh, you see that through history. You see it in 1920s in, the, in Paris with Hemingway, Fitzgerald, all these characters that are gathering in these salons and stuff. And that segues into a whole cultural movement uh, coming out of World War, or going into World War II uh, and then coming out of it. So that kind of brings me to a question that I think is really interesting is like timing with you starting this company is right after COVID-19 and we are all locked into our uh, places and our homes and wherever we are and all our scatterings. And now we're coming out and it is a common through line to come out of these events and say, wow, I had no idea that there's local artists like this. I had no idea that these local businesses have events like this going on. So I'm curious, what have you seen uh, since coming out of COVID-19? What, what have you like sort of observed in this like kind of social behavior as we come out of our, our caves? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people spent a lot of time reflecting. Which makes great poetry. <laughs> yes, which makes great poetry, which makes great uh, artistry for music. I think it also ripens the desire to connect and to find community, which was the hardest thing because a lot of people, you know, I think what they realized is, oh, wait, I don't have as strong as a community as I thought. You know, when doors are locked or when, you know, this or that's happening and, and you're just kind of by yourself, like, you know, people started to see, oh, I am lacking. And so for us to provide a space that, you know, we say, like, everyone is welcome. And genuinely, it's cool to see the demographics of people that show up to these you know, events, even at coffee shops or whatever. It's it's uh, a plethora of demographics from, you know, kids to, you know, retired people to, you know, uh, African-Americans to Hispanics to, you know, rich, poor. Like, it doesn't matter. People are able just to gather around something that isn't controversial. And I think that was the hardest thing, too, of, COVID, it started to draw lines and create some controversy around ethics and perspectives of things. And and there was a lot of barriers that got put up or that was trying to be put up. But I think for the average person, we realized like a lot of these barriers don't have to exist. Uh, sometimes it just takes me stepping into a place and just getting to see and experience people, see and experience art. That reminds me, like, we are all human. And we all need each other. 
and that's healthy. Isolation isn't healthy. Uh, too much codependency isn't healthy. But also, like, beautiful community, well, that's that's the heart of humanity. And that's how villages have always thrived. thrived. That's how societies have always thrived. And so the moment that something comes to divide us, there's only two options. We let it divide us or we defy it and we learn to grow together. Wow, that was beautifully said. And I love that we came back to that, um, to an, sort of circle back to growing. Because I'm very curious because you obviously are your own artist on top of running this whole, facilitating this culture. Um, did you ever have a moment where you were like, who the hell am I to be this person for the rest of the artists, rest of the, you know, the community? Yeah, there's moments. Um, I think, yeah, there's been moments because I, like, me in the music industry is, uh, I'm very much like this vagabond kind of, I don't write music for people unless it's like girls, you know. Um, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But, you know, it's like never for. It's never like I'm not writing for an audience. Right. Um, unless it's girls. Unless it's a single girl, you know. Um, I'm not. <laughs> so true. Um, I'm not uh, seeking to be the next hit artist out there. I'm not trying to push my artistry I genuinely would write to express and so when the opportunity came to see the need and then start to begin to fill the need well because the heart of our company is community that I know that in me like as Ben Gibson community building is the thing I love to do and it's the thing I've always loved to do. And so knowing that, it's like, okay, am I the right person for this? I don't know, but I know that this is a part of me. And therefore, because it's a part of me, I can step into this. Now, as we've started to grow and as I've started to get into the music business on like a more official level, even booking or running shows for music venues here, you start to see like, the music business, it's kind of like a Wild West. Like, it very much feels like this Dodge City. That even this new kid on the block who is trying to create strategic ways, there's hesitation, you know? And that's not even by, like, just the older people, but it's also by people who have been in this music scene around here that everybody's kind of fragmented still. Everybody's kind of jaded. Everybody's, like, they don't really trust people or... They have their click and they're like, I'm going to stay with this or they're gatekeeping. Like I've seen a lot of that. And it's just one of those elements of, you know, like maybe I'm not the most qualified and I haven't been qualified for most of my jobs that I've ever had. <laughs> let's just be honest, <laughs> which is kind of the blessing though. Right. You know, it's the, it's how you learn. Yeah, exactly. It's saying I'm actually going to take every opportunity to learn and I'm going to try to understand whatever this is so that I can also fill the need that needs to happen. And so there's been times where my ambition, like, because I can be a very ambitious person, but the tough thing about ambition 
as if you're not seeing, if you're only looking at ambition and your eyes aren't focused on where you're walking, what you're going to do is you're actually going to start walking over some people or cause you accidentally kick somebody. And that happened a few times last year where I was so focused on this ambition of like, this is what it could be. Like, this is where it could be. All you got to do is just like almost give me the reins and I'm going to be like this dog that's like going out there like, "Ah," you know, and and I saw for a lot of people, because, again, like, music is it, like, music, and music, like, an artistry for anybody, for poets, for musicians, for prose writers, like, we all hold some different feeling with it. You know, some of us have big ambitions, and so, therefore, like, our minds are focused on the bigger things, you know, and those steps to get there. Some of us were just jaded. You know, some of us have been hurt or let down because of different people within the industry. And so there's this hesitance, you know, even if it's like I let them down, you know, once or something, it's like, oh, well, now I'm like, you know, let me hold the brakes because, you know, it's kind of like this uh, relapse feeling. Um, So it's been interesting because I've been trying to, you know, all I'm trying to, all I try to tell people is it's like, I'm just trying to be for you. You know, I'm I'm here as an asset. I'm using my time. I'm using my resources. You know, I'm using uh, other businesses' resources. I'm trying to just be an asset that is doing something that's different, that's unique, that is uh, caring, you know, that is um, ambitious at times. And I think... That's been the the fun thing about it, too, and kind of the hard thing. It's like, okay, where do I not let my ego come into play? Because the ego will try to kill anything that you do. Even if it's trying to raise you up to the top, it's still suffocating you and the joy that you find in what you do. So really having to die to that, trust that I just happen to be the guy in charge of this concept. And there's other people who have similar heartbeats. But again, it's like I'm just happen to be the one, and so that's cool. Right. Yeah. One on one. Um. Yeah. And again, beautifully said. And yeah, I've had my fair share with wrestling ambition, and I feel as my uh, experience has gone with it, I think you know the more you just like let go, and you have a vision, you want it to be exactly your vision, but when you let go of it and just let it come to you because if you pursue it it will come to you and it's going to come in a different way than you would ever imagine and to and it always seems to be better that way when it comes the way it does actually happen Mm -hmm. and uh but yeah um i'm curious when how and when did you realize that community building was your calling um well it's funny because So I think it's like, when did I really realize it? Because they're like, ever since high school, um, I just wanted people to feel loved and to be seen. Because I came from this place that middle school was highly depressed, high risk suicide, like suicidal, um, addicted to different things. 
angry. Um, and so when I had just this incredible, like, spiritual moment that uh, changed me, I was just, I had some mentors in my life and I had friends who just loved me, like, <laughs> didn't care if I was perfect, didn't care, you know, like, about my ego as much, because I was still, like, pretty arrogant kid um they were just there for me and that was when I realized I was like that's all I want to do in my life is I just want people to know that they can be seen um and through being seen that they know they're loved so that kind of dictated a lot of the pursuit of my life um I was I mean I was kind of on the route to be a pastor in the Protestant church for a while because that's all I wanted to do. I was like, I just want people to feel seen and loved. And so it didn't matter what I did, whether it was college and I'm like meeting people and I'm a volleyball manager, you know, for the first school I went to or whether it was um, when I transferred schools and I was really in love with soccer and I was like, man, I really love the soccer team. But there's a difference between, like, being friends with the people on the soccer team and being on the team. And so I, like, worked my ass off for a year and, like, trained just to be good enough to make it on the team. Like, and, you know, like, not even, like, great. Like, not even starting. Like, I didn't start one varsity game. I played some JV games, you know, for it. Yeah. You know, but like, give yourself some credit. Yeah, I know. Give myself some credit. Like, I never saw the pitch though, right. as of like, legitimately. Got on the team. They got on the team, and because I didn't think the coaches knew. Like, part of it was, uh, it was. My goal was yes to be a good soccer player, but it was to build community and love these people well, and we saw that, and I saw that. So, even in my times where, um. I would say, like, the lowest of lows in my life, like, deep loneliness, deep sadness, um, uh, destructive behavior, that there is still just always this part of me that's, I mean, starting moments of community that it's weird to, like, still to this day exist. You know, like, there's an Arkansas at the coffee shop I worked at I started Friday night jams, ironically nice. enough, yeah. a mute like live music in this community, you know, every Friday night, and still to this day, like six seven years later, they're still doing it. And Lawrence, the coffee shop over there, live music, bringing it to us, setting it up. Still to this day, four years later. Um. And so it's just cool to see these moments. Even I mean, even concepts that I've had of. Um, this apprenticeship program that helps give people either in college or graduating college um, an opportunity to grow their design, like creative design or videography or copywriting or marketing skills and kind of like this intense training program for like a time being. And then they'll have the 
reputable skills and the portfolio to send it out. You know, even that concept, like uh, we called it Tribe when I was working for the Creative Design Studio. This was probably like seven, eight years ago. Um, and now they have, and it's the first thing ever in Arkansas, um, it's called Creative Institute, which my boss, and she's like, I love her to death, I love her family to death, Jessica Crumb, like started. And I remember she sent that to me when they were launching it, and she's like, you know, hey, look, like this was like, you know, this is kind of your baby. So, I mean, even like being a teacher, you know, it's about community building. Working in coffee, it's about community building. And this past year, I think, has really just kind of solidified. Like, what is it? Like, what is the best way I give to my community? It's to build community. It's to bring in all different types of people from all different walks of life to a common thing that you know, creates beautiful moments. And even if it's, and I think this has been the hardest thing to learn, even if it means that like, I have a friend, they join a friend group. Now I'm kind of like removed. Like I'm not as close with that friend anymore, but now that friend has like multiple beautiful friendships. Like it's almost like my time was to help people find community. Uh, and that's been, it's been really beautiful to see. It was really hard at first because I'm like, you know, a people collector and I'm like, oh, well, you know, like, am I just not friend, you know, a friend guy anymore? But it's actually, no, like my, my role was to help them find community and they've done that. And that's, uh, that's beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally forgot to mention that you are also a teacher. <laughs> what grades do you teach again? Uh, right now I teach fourth through twelfth grade at like a really really small liberal arts school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, you're perfect for the job. But um, I'm curious because you know you were talking a little bit about that ripple effect that you have when you kind of like drop a pebble into something like that with community building. Um. We are in this extremely digital age, especially when it comes to distributing and sharing art, uh, specifically music, um, where you don't really see, you don't really have anything tangible these days to be like, oh, I bought this song, I have this song, I have this CD, I have this record. Um, And it's now mostly streaming stuff. Almost all are... A good majority of your artists that you're working with don't have anything recorded. Don't have anything that's recorded in a studio that you could find them somewhere on Spotify or whatever it is that people use to stream music. They don't have anything out there. Tell me a little bit about, like, do you think that changes what you're doing when you're showcasing artists that you can only hear them when you come to their to your events? That's the only time you're going to really hear their music. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I'll, I'll say I've been writing music for 14 years. Um, it took me until 2020, no, 2021, to release my first song. And so it was one of those really funny things of, I was basically, basically for most of my 
artistry career, a when you see me live, you're the only people who hear this these songs. Um, and I remember when I played at like the top open mic in Berlin. Like I only got in because there were some Americans who ran the spot, and we were helping. We were doing like uh, some nonprofit work with them because they're a nonprofit, and they like snuck me in because I was only there for like three months. So they're like, okay, we'll slide you in. And I remember like playing two songs and I'm with people who have recorded music who are playing and we're in Berlin and they like, they play around there and stuff. And I, like afterwards they were just like, you know, they're like, where can we listen to your music? <laughs> and I'm just like, well, nowhere. Like, you know, you're some of the few who've heard it. So I think it's interesting um, because there is this, there's this element of even the thought of like, to be, to be a musician, I must record, I must put stuff out. And I think there's like some good with that. Now, the hardest thing about that is it costs money. And I'm trying to work with some producers around town that we can do simple acoustic set, like guitar, vocals, Record it, mix master for like a, a very cheap, affordable rate, so that artists can start having this opportunity to say, "Hey, well, like here's my music, you can listen to it." But there's also, I don't know, and I think it's maybe just part of me, like, you know, like pushing back against systems. Of, I enjoy that there's these spaces where the community can be the one that connects to an artist and this artist can connect to its community. Right. And it's not about let me get big. It's not let me get streaming numbers. It's not any of this. It's it's just kind of like the old time ways. Do you hear me? Do you see me? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of the beauty of it is we're able to hit that niche. Right. To where it doesn't limit us to showcase artists because we're not saying, well, you have to have music that's recorded and out and streamed. You know, you don't have to have physical copies of things. It's, I hear your music. I see you play. I know how I feel when I hear it. I know how other people feel. Other people feel when they hear it. So why not, like, just play more? Because music can be, there's kind of like different streams it can go. And I, really enough, I was watching 60 Minutes last night, which I haven't watched in a while, but I, I love 60 Minutes. I don't, like, people are like, wait, you're, yeah. yeah, people are like, you're watching 60 Minutes? I was like, yeah, it's so dope. You don't watch 60 Minutes? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, wow. Like, it's the best thing about when football ends it's only 60 on Minutes. <laughs> Um, and so, and I, what is his name here? We're going to do some fact checking real quick. They do this on podcasts all the time. So. <laughs> I need, I need um, someone like in the back. Yeah. So and be like, Hey, look this up. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. We, we need to hire somebody. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get there. We'll eventually get there. Yeah. Where's guys. Jared when you need him? <laughs> Jared. But, uh, um, Oh, Rick Rubin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so Rick Rubin, he is this music producer. 
And <laughs> this guy doesn't really know how to play instruments. Like, he knows, but he doesn't really play. He's not really, he doesn't really sing. He himself isn't really a songwriter. And he doesn't know how to, like, sound engineer. So people are like, well, how is he a producer? But he got his start from knowing, it was crazy, it's like hip-hop back in the day. And he says, I know what I hear, and I know what I like, and I know what I don't like, and I'm very decisive on that. And that decisiveness is why, even to this day, people will pay him ridiculous amounts of money to produce their album. It's because he'll sit there, and it's not like he's, I mean, if you watch the clip, which you should, go to 60 Minutes, look up Rick Rubin, because he's sitting there, like, kind of in this meditative state, like, just listening to the music, and then we'll just give a direction. Right. For some artists, it's, hey, trust yourself in this. Or, hey, why don't you try it and come back to me? For Kesha, it was, hey, Kesha, why don't you go home? She was having, like, trouble writing some verses. So he told her, go home, write a whole essay, basically on the topic of the song. And... And she's like, okay. and But as she was writing that full essay, like basically writing till she couldn't write any more about this topic, her song came through it. And so for him, it's this push of, um, he's like, I'm not here to make hits. I'm not here to yada, yada, yada. Like, like good artistry that isn't limited by numbers, that isn't limited by goals of like trying to write a hit record it's just this is just purely good because the artist was able to like make it from themselves right and i think that's kind of the beauty of these spaces that we get to do because it's also a little bit of like the way that i approach being an artist is you know i only write when i'm inspired like, I'm not one of those people who's like, let me be a professional songwriter and let me try to write, you know, 200 songs in a year to practice. It's like, no, I know when something is birthed through me, like, that it is pure. Mm -hmm. And I know when people connect with it. Because I've seen how people react with my music. And I don't say I'm the best songwriter. I don't by far not the best guitar player, not the best vocalist. But I know how my soul portrays through my songs and how that hits people that the methodology of how I write is what works for me and I would never change it. And I think you're starting to see a lot of artists find that, especially through COVID, is let me sit here, let me work through whatever inspiration's coming. And then now as it's translated into this music, or even poetry, you know, like even prose, now that it's translated, because it's not for anybody, I think we're also starting to see this divide. What is manufactured pop sounds, pop lyrics, you know, yada, yada, yada. What is genuine, soulful writing that's like damn I don't even care if this is recorded the fact that I get to experience this is is uh, is way better
Yeah. Um, so there's so many things that I kind of want to talk <laughs> on. I'll just make sure. Okay, my camera's still on. Um, yeah. So in a way, it's almost like these spaces are almost foundation building. They're almost a workshop space where it's like, especially for young artists. I mean, this is something that I've been discovering through my own writing and through my exploration of reading during open mics and just like being at your events and stuff. The microphone in front of an audience is a great workspace. It is a great place to look at, okay, this works, this doesn't. But does this feel like me? Because you don't feel more like a fraud when you until you read something that doesn't feel like you out into an audience. Because you're like, wow, that's not me. And then, especially if it doesn't hit, you're like, wow, that's definitely not me. But um, I also kind of want to talk about this concept that I hope to explore through this first season. Um, is that I was once told uh, that... A story loses power the more people hear it. So a story that's told between three people and three heads who listen to this story, that is at its core the most powerful that story will ever be. But as it's heard by more people and more people, the story starts to lose power. And I do have we have a friend... A, her stage name is Katie B that's going to be on this podcast or she's already been on the podcast <laughs> but um who we we've sort of seen seen with this cuz she has this hit song that she doesn't recorded um but every single time she performs it kills it it's called the No Pussy Blues we'll have a whole segment on it yep. but um I'm just curious to see where that goes because eventually she will record it. Eventually it'll get out there because I just have, or or it won't, or it won't. But like, I've seen it happen in these small rooms where this story happens and people are enthralled by it and they're, but but it hasn't blown up or anything. But this power it has over people in that specific room is undeniable. Uh, and so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that kind of concept because obviously. We'd love to launch careers. We'd love to have that person that all of a sudden started as an underground ar homies artist and is now selling out arenas. But at the same time, you're building a culture where you want people to come and feel like this is special. This is unique. This is no one else is listening to this person. No one else outside this room will hear what this person's going to perform. Yeah. So I'm curious what your take is on, on that kind of idea. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah, I, th I think it. Uh the first point on a song can lose power, a story can lose power the more people hear it. Um, I think that really shows the depth to a story as well. That if you have three people who heard one story, if two out of three of those people are moved by that story, that's 66.7% of the audience that has heard your story has now been changed. Right. So the more you increase your audience, I think even on a statistical level, uh, you will lose the amount, the percentage of its impact. But I also think that's 
where the importance of not every song, not every story, not every poem is meant to be shared mm. or is meant to be shared with masses. Right. There's enough that our artistry can be for us. We're in a civilization. We're in an age where we are very thankful where we should be very thankful that almost anybody has the opportunity to be or to use creative outlets to process, to dive into things. Now, again, the issue that comes with that as well is always the ego because people see, well, I have this creative outlet. I see, oh, the ego wants to take this and now elevate it. It wants to rob it of the power that it holds by saying, well, you know, let me put it out there. Let me, you know, maybe I'll get big, yada, yada, yada. And yet sometimes it's just like, I mean, there's songs I've played that like I haven't played in like seven years, eight years. Because like in the moment they held power to me because I was confused about something. But there are also things that I'm like, this isn't like, this really like, I'm just, if I release this, I know it could be catchy, but it doesn't need to be. It's not worthy to be sent to other people, you know? Um, but I also go back to what are these extremely powerful things like Katie B's song, you know, of, um, If she releases it, you know, is she fine with releasing it and maybe like a thousand people ever in the existence of the world hear it? If yes, then go ahead, do it, mm -hmm. you know. But if there's this hold like a kite, you know, oh, let me try to run. Let me try to raise it up. You know, the kite only flies if there's enough wind right just like songs you know like nowadays it's like songs sometimes will only take off if there's enough wind but still sometimes building the kite building the song is just as much as a, of a masterpiece even if it never gets flown as high or maybe it only gets flown once right so i i think yeah i think there's this discerning area of artistry of to share it with community, with people who even know you, is actually a lot more powerful. Because I can understand if you, Danny, are sharing a poem or a short story you've written, I can understand that. Because I also know you. So your story will impact me from knowing you. And this is why I think it's very important in communities. Is as more and more people within communities know one another and hear the stories... Now we are, we are connecting with it deeper. You know, there's power in a song that if you can hear it and you don't know the person but you resonate with it, like that's a powerful song. And I'm not talking like, you know, uber, like over-romanticized, like, you know, kind of delusional things, which happens, but I'm talking like, deep weighted like 
I cried because this song spoke to a part of me that was like the innermost part. Like I think of Coldplay's Fix You. Like that song hits me every time. I think of Above the Clouds of Pompeii by Bearsden. Mm-hmm. That song, like legitimately every time I hear it, I, my, I get tears in my eyes. Because I can hear it and the story is so weighty. When you listen to not only the melodies, but the lyrics, you're like, wow, he's he's captured something. So I think there's, it's this weird place, though, you know, of, you know, what what do we use our artistry for? You know, I'm starting to realize personally of, I just don't need to be selfish with it. So I'm hopefully recording two i'm for sure recording one but hopefully two albums this year one is just literally all my old stuff that i've written i'm just like acoustic set launching it saying here it is it's out there um if you want to listen listen cool if not that's cool too i don't really care um but my other album is my big focus because I realized even sometimes holding on to artistry can be selfish, especially when you know what it does to people. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be selfish, so I'm going to let all that stuff go. But also it's creating a space in me to now I'm writing an album for my family. So now I'm also using my artistry for, like, to love my family, to walk us through a very difficult season of life that we as a family have to go through. And so now I'm starting to see not only is this new album helping me process, but there are songs crafted that are for my mom, that are for my dad, that's for my sister, that's for my grandma. But I also know like these songs that are for these people, like it's going to echo back into people who have similar uh, experiences. Like it's gonna it's gonna hit people when they feel like I'll just like preview of it. The album's about so my mom has early onset Alzheimer's. So we're walking through that as a family. The reality of it is, you know, it's jarring because we saw like her mom had it, her brother had it, um, and so now we're having to process through everything. So I've been very fortunate to know a lot of people who have had people who've gone through Alzheimer's as well. Um, and they and we were able to have these dialogues, you know, these conversations. One of my friend Josh, he's in New York right now, and he gave me just like these poetry books. Like I read all the time. And I'm like, oh, man, just cry and ball like a baby because it's like walking through this process. So I know these songs, like so many people experience a family member dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia. And so these songs are, you know, from, they're through me, they're for my family, but I know the echoes will be for people because I want it to help them process through these things too as well. And so I think this is again where, like, what are we using our artistry for? You know, and that's where I was also like, artistry is very powerful. You know, we were just talking, we were just talking about movies, you know, before we clicked record mm-hmm. and how like we still think of these scenes where it's like 
our parents forgot that there is, you know, some nudity or, right. you know, some, you know, right. weird scene that, like, we're like, well, that kind of shaped me, you know? Yeah. Sexual awakening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's, like, really powerful. And, right. But it is. It's, you know, media and artistry is, can be very powerful. So I think it's also um, our duty as artists um, to understand that that every story everything will have power but what are we using our power for you know it's kind of like with the business it's like i understand that what we're doing with my business has power but what am i using it for am i using it for my name because if it's for me like i hope it burns if it's for everybody else and like, may I take the utmost care to be responsible with it. Or I know I could for sure just like burn more people. And anything that I was trying to allow be done through me can now just be burning the forest around me. Beautifully said once again. Um yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. What you got going on right now it, with Underground Homies is you're creating these spaces for people who feel like they might have something that's burning inside them worth sharing. And you're creating a space where now we're providing people to sit there and listen to you, workshop what you're feeling, how you want to express it, really understand the power that you possess with your words, with your art, with your self-expression. And I think, yeah, that's what we're cultivating. That's what you're cultivating here with Underground Homies here in Kansas City, where it's creating a space that people can start to learn about themselves and learn how they want to go forward with what they want to do in a loving environment, in a shaping environment. And in the meantime, you're connecting them with people in their community and i think that's a beautiful thing ben gibson with underground homies tell us what you got going on what's coming in the future come on give us something good (laughs) yeah give us a tease of something yeah um so this year we have the opportunity to do upwards to 200 shows wow um that's coffee shops retail spaces um bookstores like um yeah, so we have, like, a lot of intimate shows going on. We're also working on some bigger concepts um, that we're hoping can kind of take the the level that we have been at, like, a small scale and just bump it up with, like, some fun creativity uh, that it's also, like, very community building, like, a lot of fun. Um, we are always looking to, like, add more artists. So I'm always, like, finding artists or artists are reaching out to me. Um we're also working on the poetry side of things, which I know we've talked about, and just hoping to build in like a good infrastructure that is allowing poets to be featured and seen or heard um, and kind of create a, I don't know, like an all-inclusive, like, hey, anybody can hear poetry, anybody can experience it. Um, so a lot of... A lot of things that, like, 
we're trying to set in place now, just waiting on certain conversations. But the hopes is that by the end of 2023, underground homies will be in nearly every nook and cranny of the Kansas City area. And that every single area is touched by it. And that every area is supporting it, which means they're supporting their local artist. Um, and that's the goal for this year, is to set all that in place and to do some fun, very innovative concepts as well. Uh, but just to continue to love people, to you know, serve and pay artists and get them exposure, uh, to build community and... Uh, just to not screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the dream. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for coming from back to Prospero's Pit. Ben Gibson, thanks for joining us. And we'll definitely have you back on. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Andy. <laughs> All right. Great.